Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. Each of these messages were given by various faculty, staff, and friends of Emmaus Bible College. To view each series as a whole, or for more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. That's C-O-N-C-E-R-N-I-N-G-H-I-M.com. We looked last time at Paul's writing of the first letter to the Thessalonians while he was staying at the in the city of Corinth on his second missionary journey, and this time we're going to take a look at the second letter that he wrote to the Thessalonians. This letter is a little bit shorter, uh, but still contains much important information, particularly as regards future events and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray as we begin. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the life of the Apostle Paul. We thank you for his ministry in the city of Corinth and for the letters that he wrote to the church at Thessalonica that we've been briefly studying together. We pray that as we look into the letter of 2 Thessalonians that you would give us insight into Paul's heart and message for the church at Thessalonica through this letter. We thank you for our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to trace Paul's arguments through 2 Thessalonians, looking at the beginning here in verses 1 through 3. Again, Paul opens with a greetings and thanksgiving for the church. He says, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. So Paul begins this letter again, as he did with 1 Thessalonians, by addressing it to the Thessalonians from himself and from Silas and from Timothy, the missionary group. Luke, again, is not spoken of as being with the group here, so he may have remained at Philippi. He may not have gone on as far as Thessalonica, or perhaps he went on to other ministry or work in Macedonia or the surrounding area. We're not exactly sure. He, Paul, gives thanks for the increasing faith of the Thessalonians and their love for one another in verse 3. Now, Paul is going to talk about how the Thessalonians can glorify God through their affliction and through perseverance in verses 4 through 12. Paul writes to them about enduring the afflictions and persecutions that they were presently suffering. He says that these are a sign of the righteous judgment of God in verse 5, and that they make us worthy for entrance into the kingdom. Now, Paul is not saying here that our works somehow earn our salvation. That has already been accomplished for us through Christ's death and through our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Instead, perseverance through affliction proves that the Christian is who he says he is, that, this, that, that his life matches his words. Judgment will be dealt out by Christ 
when he comes from heaven on the unbelieving, who will be cast away from the presence of the Lord. Those who reject Christ choose for themselves an eternal destiny in hell. So Paul writes in verse 11 of chapter 1 that God might make the Thessalonian believers worthy of his calling. He says here in verse 11, To this end we always pray for you, that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants their lives and their actions to match up with their professions of faith in Christ. And in doing so, he says, the name of the Lord Jesus would be glorified. Now, this is a great point for us to do some self-reflection here. Do our actions and our lifestyle, the way that we live our lives as believers in Jesus Christ, match up with our profession of faith. Sadly, it seems many today claim the name of Christ, but deny him with their lives, with their actions, with their lifestyle. Now, if that has been true of you up to this point, today is the day to repent of this hypocrisy, to change your habits and your lifestyle and conform it to God's will for your life. And what is God's will for your life? Well, it can be found in the commands of the Lord Jesus and in the Word of God as we read about these things in the Bible. We want our lives as believers in Christ to match up with and be obedient to His words. And his words are given to us in the word of God. Today can be the day that you get back on the right track. You can spend some time right now with the Lord in prayer, asking him to forgive you for the actions that you've had, even as a believer in Jesus Christ. He wants us to live holy lives dedicated to him. Now in chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, Paul will say to the Thessalonians, don't be shaken by false teaching. As in 1 Thessalonians, Paul writes here to correct their thinking on the coming of the Lord and its implications for their lives. We saw in 1 Thessalonians that he was writing to, to them to say, if anyone has fallen asleep in Christ or has died, that's not just the end for them. It's not as if they've missed out on the blessings that Christ has for them in the future. No, he says, when Christ returns from heaven, he will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. What is this talking about? I think it's talking about when we die, the physical part of us, the material part of us that is proper to the world in which we live dies. Our bodies go into the ground. But our soul, our spirit, the immaterial part of us, continues to live as immediately in the presence of the Lord. And one day when Christ returns, he will bring our spirits with him and our bodies, which have died and gone into the ground, will be resurrected from the dead and our bodies and souls will be united once again in 
resurrected, glorified life. And those who are alive and remain at the coming of the Lord Jesus will rise into the air and be glorified in his presence there. Now here in 2 Thessalonians, he says in verse 2, that they should not be alarmed by a spirit, a spoken word, or even a letter seeming to be from us. This gives us a little insight, perhaps, into the situation. Maybe there were even some uh, who were pretending to be the Apostle Paul, writing to uh, the church at Thessalonica uh, using his name. Uh, and so he says... Don't be alarmed by any of these things, whether it's a spirit, a spoken word, somebody says something different than what we've communicated to you, or even a letter that seems to be from us, but has the wrong message that, that would have these believers think that the day of the Lord has already come upon them. He says, no, that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first, and uh, the man of lawlessness is revealed. Now, the rebellion that's spoken of here is actually the Greek term uh, apostasy, and so this leads many commentators to see sort of immediately prior to the coming of the tribulation a great uh, turning away from the faith, uh, a mass-scale apostasy. Uh, look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and I'm going to read verses 3 through 8 so we can see Paul's response here. He says in verse 3, Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And you know what is restraining him now, so that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. This revealing of the man of sin or lawlessness does not happen until the one who restrains him, the one who restrains lawlessness, is taken out of the way. Now this is most likely a reference to the Spirit of God's work through the church today. One of the things that the Spirit of God has done throughout human history is to restrain sin and evil. And through the church today, the proclamation of the gospel and righteous living on the part of believers in Christ, sin is restrained in the world. One day when the church is removed just prior to the, the great day of the Lord, sin will be allowed to increase dramatically. And so the coming of this man of lawlessness refers to the tribulation, but the church will not participate in this day of God's wrath outpoured on humanity. 
So in verses 13 through 17, Paul exhorts the Thessalonians to stand firm, giving thanks to God that he chose them as a firstfruits to be saved. I think this is a reference to their being first to believe uh, along with the Macedonian or the Philippians in Macedonia, but also the, the first of the Gentiles when one day all will see that Christ is Lord at his coming, and then uh, all will turn to him in, in faith. So the Thessalonians are sort of seen as the first fruits of the Gentile world in Greece, along with the Philippians here. In chapter 3 and verses 1 through 18, Paul is going to give a series of warnings and prayer and benediction on behalf of the believers at Thessalonica. First, he asks the Thessalonians to pray for him and for the missionary group in the city of Corinth that their teaching would be productive and that they would be delivered from wicked people. He encourages them again that the Lord would establish and guard them against the evil one. Then he exhorts them to stay away from idle people and from those who deviate from the teaching and traditions that they had preached. Paul and Timothy and Silas had set the example for them of loving them by working to provide for themselves. So Christians should be hard workers, willing to work for their living, not simply uh, idle people that just take from everyone else, uh, nor should they be busybodies, as he says in verses 11 and 12. Christians should be hard workers. He admonishes them not to grow weary in doing good, in verse 13. They're to have nothing to do with those who do not heed the words of Paul in this letter, yet they should not view those individuals as enemies, but warn them as brothers for the purpose of correcting them. Now, the benediction in chapter 3 and verses 16 through 18, I will just read as we conclude this message. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. This is the sign of genuineness in every letter of mine. It is the way I write the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. So he concludes with a greeting in his own hand, likely to let them know this is actually Paul who's writing as a sign of his genuineness as the author. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu.com.